According to our calculations, the most it'll do is knock off 10 or 12 years. Was I in there long? It felt like centuries. I'm sick of being old. Welcome to the 10th episode of Zero Hour Strikes. It's almost an anniversary. The show that covers DC's 1994 crossover event, Zero Hour Crisis in Time. Every issue, every tie-in, every zero issue eventually. I'm Siskoid. I'm Bess. In this episode, we take a look at Zero Hour number three, which is not too obviously the second issue of Zero Hour as we count down to zero. And just from the cover, this is not a good one for JSA fans, Bess. (laughs) Really not. Really not. I mean, the cover is pretty much saying what's going to happen. It it, it does kind of... uh... (laughs) <laughs> kind of that kind of spoils oh yeah a number of well i mean one possible outcome let's say if you're a jsa fan well hold on tight yeah let's describe that cover it says the end of today at the top zero hour crisis in time uh by dan jurgens and jerry ordway we've got there's like this glowing energy ball in the background with lightning that's very crisis ish uh, and then you've got heroes sort of either facing a giant extant, so Kyle Rayner, Superman, and then Hawk, Hawkman and Impulse are sort of running over to what's happening in the foreground, which has Green Lantern, Alan Scott, sort yep. of protecting Jay Garrick, holding the dead, potentially dead, but certainly desiccated body of our man. Already, we're feeling the JSA is not going to have a good day. You see the younger heroes like Impulse and and Kyle Reiner, uh, Green Lantern, you know, all up and at them. But the older older guys, they're basically they're almost dead, very old. They can't keep up. This is uh, the cover is very uh, foreshadowing. Well, yes, it's it's pretty much telling us uh, if you're a JSA fan. Well, of course, covers can always lie, so you're hoping. That oh, yeah. they'll make it out of it. No, but we'll see it. As as I mean, we've talked about this on the show before because a lot of people in the comments are still angry about this decision, even though it was <laughs> undone later. I mean, calm down, Chris Franklin. Okay, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's let's do a synopsis, uh, complete synopsis, and then we'll go through it more or less moment by moment. Okay, sounds good. All right, so here we go. This is Zero Hour Number 3 by Dan Jurgens and Jerry Ordway. The cover date was September 1994. Earth, 17 hours, 7 minutes ago. As The Flash, Jay Garrick, mourns for the apparent loss of Wally West in the previous issue, the Justice Society of America meets with Wave Rider about the Universal Crisis. And so, Gotham City, 17 hours, 4 minutes ago, Dr. Fate brings a lot of them to Vanishing Point where they might get some answers. Three heroes, Wave Rider and the Hawks, do not arrive at the same destination, however. Middle America, 17 hours, 3 minutes ago. Superman and Metron are heading back to New York after the Smallville story to meet the heroes they have rallied. But Superman hears screams in Keystone City and sees Impulse there running from dinosaurs. But the kid doesn't need help. He just phases through walls and let the pursuing raptors smash into them. Superman recruits him, though he wonders if the 30th century hero is a time anomaly or a visitor to our time. Outside the time stream, 16 hours, 22 minutes ago, a cutscene from the Legion's end of an era. The time trapper reveals himself to Cosmic Boy. He is a future Rock Crin. Well, I mean, the real Rock Crin or the contemporary Rock Crin can't let that happen and jumps the trapper to subvert his fate. New York City, 14 hours, 39 minutes ago. All the recruited heroes convene. Obviously, Guy Gardner volunteers to lead the group, but everyone else looks to Superman. Vanishing Point, 17 hours, 3 minutes ago. The JSA arrive at... Vanishing Point, where they are immediately ambushed by Extant, who zaps them with a chronal energy blast. The time stream at the exact same time, Wave Rider, Hawkman, and Hawkgirl instead accidentally appear in Chicago, where the contemporary Hawkman is fighting the Hawk God. Well, we've covered all this. And to help Katar Hall out, they all merge, creating a new, more powerful Hawkman form. Legion HQ on Cairn, 14 hours, 1 minute ago. Vrildox discovers the universe is contracting at a remarkable rate and launches a time probe. Supertown on New Genesis, 14 hours ago. High Father of the New Gods also detects 
the end of the universe or the death of the universe. New York City, 13 hours, 59 minutes ago. Guy Gardner questions this new Green Lantern, Cal Rayner. Uh, the Titans question Donna Troy's status as a dark star and Maxima's costume keeps shifting. Then the new Hawkman arrives with Wave Rider and Metron, and Wave Rider explains that there was a crisis years ago that was so destructive that the reality never really settled after that, causing all sorts of disruptions. F you, Marv Wolfman, more or less. <laughs> he also tells the group that Wally West and a young Hal Jordan have been killed. And there, Guy sees a chance to possibly change history by saving Hal and making sure he never goes bad and kills the Green Lantern Corps. But it's only now dawning on Wave Rider that this may not only be a natural phenomenon caused by the crisis. Cut to Vanishing Point, 12 hours, 50 minutes ago. The JSA fights extant in a surreal space of floating grids. The villain kills the Atom and then disintegrates Dr. Fate, leaving only his mystic artifacts untouched. He then undoes the spells that have kept Wildcat and Sandman relatively young, the famous effects of Mr. Nebula's energies on the JSA, and they become withered old men struggling to breathe. New York City, 12 hours, 45 minutes ago, Wave Rider concentrates to contact a presence that doesn't belong in the time stream and leaves for Vanishing Point. Meanwhile, on Vanishing Point, the rest of the JSA are being aged, except for Green Lantern Alan Scott, who's protected by his ring. They don't give up and swarm extant. Our Man and Dr. Midnight are the next to fall. Our Man is declared dead. New York City, 12 hours, 42 minutes ago. The time storms are getting worse. A 25th century city seems to materialize in, in the sky and descends to collide with New York. Vanishing Point, 12 hours, 38 minutes ago. Extant makes time go faster for Green Lantern's ring to expend its charge, but Wave Rider has managed to put the rest of the JSA in temporal stasis to keep them from aging and possibly from dying. Wave Rider moves in to deal with Monarch, but Extant refuses to be called that. He takes his mask off, and underneath, he's not Monarch or Hawk. He's Wave Rider himself. What? what? What's going on? Yeah, why not make this more confusing? <laughs> really? You know, it's like, it's already really complicated, the whole Hawk Monarch thing. So why not? Why why not? You know, like, so has Monarch been fighting his, himself all this time? Or has the, is it like the Time Trapper where the identity changes? At this point, we have no idea. And maybe at a later point, we'll still have no idea. I, I, <laughs> I can't promise answers to this <laughs> to this conundrum i don't know how i felt about that well we'll talk about it okay later. yeah let's do it in chronological order in the order of the universe collapsing i, I guess yeah yeah I, I guess let's try to put some order in this uh, timey-wimey thing okay so the first sequence that we get is with the jsa assembling and uh eventually dr fate taking the team to its death at vanishing point <laughs> <laughs> what do we think of this sequence? Is it, uh, um, it, well, it, you know, every crisis has its thing. And, uh, you know, killing flashes is always an, a nice one in, in crises. Because Jay Garrick is like, yeah, we, we these youngins keep dying, but we stay young. And what are we doing? And and this that was my Jay Garrick. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, it, it kind of goes thugging at our heartstrings because another flash is is dead this time Wally, you know, who took up the mantle for Barry when in the original, uh, well, not the original crisis, but the crisis on, on infinite earth. So kind of giving us a little throwback there, a little throwback Thursday thing. And, you know, we, we have another dead flash on our hands and I kind of liked the way all the JSA look in this thing. You know, they're all red and green and yellow, which is all the colors <laughs> of, of the JSA. They seem like a, a tight group. You kind of feel like they're friends. You know, I kind of like them right now. Sure, but I mean, anytime you want to melt characters, uh, you got to make their their last stand the point where you do like them, even if maybe oh, you yeah. didn't like them before. So even unlikable characters very often will, okay, like their last stand is the moment where, damn it, you know, it actually hurts, even though I wanted that, I didn't care about that character before. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of crises fail is when they don't do that and you just get you know superboy prime knocking panther's head off yeah and we didn't care about panther and nobody cared about panther apparently uh certainly not the writers 
and uh, they don't make us want her to stick around. So it, the death is meaningless. So here, obviously, the JSA's death, if if death is to be, is going to hurt a lot of people because they are not disliked characters. But uh, in this case, I feel like Dan Jurgens is obviously a little great because, sure, Dan Jurgens draws well, but the inking by Jerry Ordway evokes a lot of his work on Golden Age properties and All-Star Squadron and in other places, including Power of Shazam, I guess you, you know, like those, yeah. those bright golden age colors, like really four color comics. You're right. It, you know, there, there is a color scheme to them. Rightfully so. I mean, there were cheaper colors back then and, you e- know, easier you can, to reproduce. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and they, they really did something wonderful with these old characters being so limited, you know, what I was going to say about the writing of it though, is that it's sort of, it is obviously it's gonna you know foreshadow the, the the destruction of the team. Why do the young ones keep dying when we're still alive? They're they're like kind of saying we are gonna sacrifice our lives. They don't know it, but we're gonna sacrifice our lives so that young heroes don't need to. We are yeah. gonna be the ones in this crisis to to be put on the chopping block, and then young heroes maybe. Return. Hopefully, Wally West will be returned. Obviously, we we know this isn't the end for him. But yeah, that idea. I think it rings a little hollow in the sense that like DC didn't stop killing young heroes after this. I don't think. <laughs> no, no, they did. Uh, and, and I mean, comic book deaths. We we all know they never stick. Or rarely. Uh, well, I mean, they can. Unless you're. Yeah. 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 I mean, unless you're a C character, you know, and this these even these guys get brought back by people who love these writers who love these old weird characters they just bring them back so sure uh, jeff johns comic- would bring the, the jsa back eventually yeah. I, i'm not even sure what are the circumstances that brings all these guys back but even within the, the next year even though they're saying like the end of this oh they'll all be too aged and all you know it's like they've been put out to pasture and the the lead editor mike carlin doesn't want them used it's like Mark Wade said, screw this, and Jay Garrick's remained an important part of the Flash book. Oh, yeah, big time. Well, I think some of these writers probably think these characters are well-developed characters who can bring a lot of substance to stories. Maybe they're not action-based, but they can they can bring a lot of substance and depth to these stories. And uh, Mark Wade really, with all the speedsters, when, when Wally was... Uh, uh, coming of age he really made them shine as as mentors and that's what they're supposed to be right and similarly we'll get starman even will be retired at the end of this but will be be an important part of the new starman series that we're going to cover yeah. issue zero of that so so some of these characters don't make it some of these characters do but are like retired and we'll talk more about this even in the feedback section, because a lot of people are are talking about this even before we we've gotten to this issue. <laughs> They're jumping the gun <laughs> a little bit. Uh, okay, so next up is Superman meeting Impulse, who's like a new hero on the block. Here, one thing I, I really wanted to I, I immediately went to my Atlas of the DC Universe uh, for DC heroes, which people who listen to Hero Points the the that podcast uh, know it was like uh, our focus on on episode two in which we even interviewed Paul Kupperberg, who wrote the book. But DC geography always interests me. And here we find that like Superman and Metron are leaving Smallville at the end of Adventures of Super... Uh, not Adventures, uh, whichever book. Superman, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He's go- they're going to New York from Smallville, and Keystone City is apparently in between the two. So I immediately, I had to go to the Atlas to see where these things relate to each other. And in fact, Keystone City... Uh, according to the Atlas, is in Kansas, just like Smallville. So really, it's like they just took off from Smallville because Kansas, like Keystone City is right there. It's probably if you were someone in Smallville and you wanted to go to the big city to to see Avengers Endgame or, you know, in in an IMAX theater or something, uh, you would have had to go to, you would have gone to Kansas City. This is the next city, the next big city close by. And then just across the river from that is Keystone City. And across the river from that is Central City. So there's like a tri-city area there. Yeah, and there's a lot of rivers. Uh, Well, it's like a fork. There's like a three-way fork and those three (laughs) cities are there. So, okay, so they just, you know, it's like, well, time is of the essence. 
But uh, I heard a scream, so let's go down to Keystone City. It's like from then on, I think Superman should just avoid the big, like flying over big cities because he's never going to be done. He's never going to reach New York <laughs> or shut off the uh, the super hearing or, or you <laughs> something. Know, yeah, you know, let somebody else handle it. So, what did you think of this sequence with the dinosaurs? And uh, it was, I, I thought it was very funny. Yeah, I'm a big Superman fan, so I was like, uh, what's Impulse? Why is Impulse so so? I don't know if I want to say lacking respect, but but you know, impulse is this. Well, it's impulse, right? Yeah, he's he's crazy. You know, he he doesn't know, he doesn't understand danger, and maybe that's why he kind of meant he's kind of menacing towards Superman. You know, uh, Superman comes in and says, "Hey, need a hand, kid?" And first thing that comes out of his mouth uh, of impulse's mouth is, "Hey, call me Kid Flash," and you get your big S handed to you as if. But you know, and Superman's like, "All right." What the hell is this? Bit of Jurassic Park fever uh, with the the dinos there. I mean, it's uh, a way to get Impulse to New York as well, because he was so new, he would not have gotten the call. Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. No, he wouldn't. I mean, Superman doesn't know if he's really there or just an anomaly. So I think it's a good way to introduce Impulse if you haven't read anything with Impulse in it. You, you kind of go, all right, who's this Kid Flash type guy? Oh, he's not Kid Flash. He's Impulse. Yeah. He he has a lot of power. He's doing stuff that Wally can't right now, like going through walls without exploding and you know stuff like that. So yeah, they they do have that joke, right? It's like yeah. call me Kid Flash, and you'll get your ass handed to you. It's like so not Kid Flash. So for, for someone who doesn't know him, who hasn't been following the Flash books, it makes them think that maybe he is a new Kid Flash. And yeah. Then, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean the color scheme is very close. I mean he's white and red, but you know the mask is very similar and. You know, he's very Kid Flash-y. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't know him, you're probably going, what is this new speedster? And in within, I mean, four panels, you understand who Impulse is. So I, the reason why Superman goes down to, to Keystone is kind of eh. But the presentation of Impulse is, is pretty good. Uh, next up is the Time Trapper and uh, the former Cosmic Boy here, Polestar. It is the time trapper from Zero Hour because he's got like these holes in his gown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it, that wasn't too clear in the end of an era, I don't think, that he had like damage, a damaged robe. Regardless, this is a, an in-between moment from end of an era because in that we see them meet and then next time you see them, they're together, they're on, they're on the same page, uh, and they're telling the Legion what's what. So yeah. this is the moment where they actually fight and where Rock doesn't want this to be his ultimate fate. I mean, I was all, all this time because I, I bought this trade paperback right. when we were talking about doing the uh, the the zero hour and uh, I didn't open it and I cracked it open just before this podcast. I mean, a couple of days ago. And if I was just reading this trade paperback, I would not have any idea of what's going on. With how, how is this? Why? Why is this? Who is this time trapper? Because this is we've seen him just a little bit, you know, at the start of the of the, the zero hour. And now we see him again and we have no idea what's going on. If I was just picking up the zero hour trade paperback with no knowledge of anything else, we hadn't read Legion of Superheroes and and, you know, all this. I wouldn't know anything about this. I'd be at a total loss. I think that's one of the weaknesses in a way of in of these crossover events when i was a kid the first crossover events ever that i ever saw were marvel's uh, secret wars and then crisis on infinite earth and uh, easy ones well not so much well i mean there's (laughs) i can contrast the two styles because secret wars had the characters go into a portal wind up on the beyonders world spend 12 months there but in comics there were no tie-ins so basically, you saw the characters go in. The next issue, they came out, and maybe they were changed. Maybe they had like you know black costume Spider-Man stuff like that. And you wondered yeah. just what happened on Beyonder World. And then you would read the series over the, the next year, and you'd find out. But it was a self-contained story with characters you either knew or that you know there'd just be just enough context for you to know. Yeah. DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths. I did not collect. Well, first of all, I. You know, the first one I ever found was like number three or something. You know, it's, it's like it was yeah. hard to find for some reason uh, on my new stance. But I thought, oh, this is like the Secret Wars for DC, except 
what the hell's happening? So, you know, it's not just that I didn't get every issue because I couldn't find them. It's that it was so, you so needed to know DC continuity, who yeah. all these characters might be or are. Or, uh, and there were so many tie-ins. So you would see like little moments that were also, oh, okay, if that moment is from All-Star Squadron, that moment is from that issue of, uh, I don't know, Batman or whatever. You know, there were so many little moments that were glimpsed but they were actually filled out in another comic that I did not necessarily read. Yeah. And this is what's happening here as well. This is the, the I don't know, I don't want to call it the DC style because Marvel certainly has done this. But uh, yeah, it's more or less the DC style where of, of crossover where there are many tie-ins. And if you're not following the whole thing, the core series you know, refers to those yeah. events, wants you to go get those comics. They're stories for people who already know the stories. Right. And I think, like, the, so, the, the, the DC universe of the 2000s under Dan DiDio, that, you know, was so many, like, crossover after crossover after crossover to make the whole line of books one big thing that you might be reading entirely. The entire universe became crossover. Yeah, but afterwards... When you're just like, like you're doing it now, it's like, oh, we've collected. It's like, well, sure. Now they're doing, here's an omnibus with every tie in in it. You know, like yeah. drop your 300 bucks or whatever. When you're just do, okay, like I'll read just crisis. I'll read just zero hour. I'll read just invasion. Those series are nonsense without all the tie ins. Yeah. yeah, really. I mean, the only way you could understand zero hour, if you never picked up a book, is to grab a huge omnibus. Because just the one, like these five issues? No, it's, it's, it's all over the place. You, you don't understand half of it. Yeah. You don't understand half of it. And then the, the, the parts you understand, it's like, it's unsatisfying because there's a lot of cutscenes from other books. Yeah. You know what? This really, we've been watching, I, I'm doing some, I'm just going in. A, we've been watching Avatar The Last Airbender, me and my son. The cartoon. And the cartoon. Yeah. It's a great series. We love it. And this morning, actually, the morning of this recording, me and my son, we started, he saw that they made a movie. So he, he was like, hey, I want to check out the movie. And we started watching the movie. And this is how this movie is, is set up. Every scene from this movie is basically bullet point type, just condensed. It's just a horrible condensed version of the cartoon animated series. Right. Every plot point just scrunched into two hours. Yeah, and we didn't even finish the movie. <laughs> we didn't even. My son is eight years old, and we stopped the movie, and he said, this is not a good movie. <laughs> so this is how it feels when I read, you know, because I'm in the know, you know, we're reading everything. But if I just picked up Zero Hour, the trade paperback, I'd be lost, and I would probably put it down and say, this is not a good comic. <laughs> That's the problem with these crossover events. It, it's the yeah. crossovering. So it's not a complete story by itself. And of course, it's a marketing scheme. Of course, they want oh, you to yeah. buy more comics. And I fell for it. I mean, I mean, I know I, I you know, I, of course, I bought other, maybe I bought even books that I don't normally read, but not, not so much. I, I, I well, <laughs> I, you know what? I bought so many DC comics that even if I didn't have this issue or that issue, it's like, well, whatever. It kind of comes to the, I feel like what we're talking about is pretty obvious in the big two-pager that comes next, which is everybody, all the heroes have been convened to New York. And I look at this group, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like a lot of what I'm looking at needs to be fixed. It's like, okay, well, the universe yeah. is out of whack. And what I'm seeing here, yeah, definitely needs to be fixed, except this is just the state of the DCU at this point. They're not going to fix it with zero hour. <laughs> We're still going to have yeah. a lot of these morts hanging around afterwards. You know, so I look at this and it's like, these are the people you called? You called <laughs> Agent Liberty and you called Gunfire and 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 and, and, and the Outsiders for that matter. But the I think like... Like here, Dan Jurgens manages to make that bulky booster gold armor actually look okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a nice little in JLA. It never <laughs> did, but it does make me realize the Justice League adjacent at least stuff has had better days. You've got Guy Gardner as Warrior. I guess yeah. that's what that red armor is. I don't I don't even know. You got Pregnant Power Girl, and spoiler, it never really amounts to anything. <laughs> pregnant Power Pregnant Power Girl in very much old aunt. Uh, wear. I mean, w w she doesn't even have like a costume. 
She has this pencil this pencil skirt, and the color scheme is. I mean, she she, she grew old very. She looks very like quickly. an old lady because she's like your platinum blonde hair. She looks like an old lady in the middle of that crowd. Oh, I mean, Power Girl would never look like this pregnant. Never. Ma Kent. This is Martha yeah, Kent yeah. in the background. That's what he kind of looks like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you've got, of course, you had like the three legionnaires that were taken out of time. Four, if you count the Emerald Dragon, which is like the older Ultra Boy. For some reason, I guess we'll have to get into this when we cover the Justice League family of books, which it's coming up soon. Despero is among the good guys, yeah. so I can't explain that here. I was like, oh, is that Despero? Because, or is it a weird version of Omac? What what is it? What is it? very Omacy, isn't it? So, I mean, that that's gonna have to keep. I don't, you know, I'm not reading in advance. I mean, you've got you know Donna Troy as Dark Star. It's like it all seems. If you're just coming to this out of the blue and out of context from 1994, you're going, well, which, what, what of this is a time anomaly? Because there are some. I see Triumph and Alpha Centurion in the background. These are not, we haven't met them yet as the podcast flies, but we will. They are time anomalies. But, you know, if you're, you don't really know, is Dr. Light all in yellow? A time anomaly? Is Aquaman with yeah. a beard a time anomaly? Yeah, with with only one hand. How, how much of this is current and how much of this is, you know, we know Batgirl's in a, a time anomaly. So it's it's yeah. hard to, to gauge, what, what, you know, the Amazing Man there. That's like the modern day Amazing Man, but he's an All-Star Squadron member. So if you don't know your history exactly and where you are in 1994, and though I know my history... Some of this is confusing because it's like, okay, well, it's so long ago that it's hard. So I'm looking at this and it feels like a lot of this should be fixed. Okay, these are time anomalies that need to be fixed or they are part of the DC universe. But by the end of this, it's got to be changed. You can't have that anymore, except it's not going to be. You know, it's it's just this is just how it is, uh, and we'll see like later on page like that's page eight and nine, but page like fourteen where we get back to this scene. It's like the heroes are are questioning the others. It's like Donna, what are you doing in that costume? And who are you? And and they're like they are questioning what's real and what isn't. And what's to them time is out of joint, yes. but it's just the nineties. Like metamorphose <laughs> ugly look. It's just the nineties. It's not the crisis. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just fashion at that uh, time. You know, usually when I see these two pagers or these these scenes where everybody's in there, I try to identify everybody and see who I know. I kind of gave up on this. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I it know. feels like like are these guys the Titans? You got Red Star in the background, Starfires in oh, yeah, weird yeah. armor, and then it's like I think that blue guy, that blue energy guy, is one of the he's one of the team I, Titans. Oh, oh, possibly. oh! Panthers there. So you know, it's like yeah, I, I hardly remembered that um, elongated man costume. So it's got a lot. It's got a lot of uh. yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of uh. What's next? Well, we okay. The next is the beginning of the fight. The JSA gets zapped, but then we immediately cut to the Hawk people and some reinterpretation of what we saw in the Hawkman book. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a condensed version, I guess. Some kind of summary. Yeah. yeah, it's not really what we saw, and then it seems to imply that Hawkman gets up when we left him. Hawkman just was in a pile of rubble. He just got up, but here he joins the action. So, yeah, exactly. Okay, so it's not quite, uh, you know, consistent with what we saw. But obviously, there's a cut scene in there, and and they're just trying to make it work in a single page. They have limited time. I mean, to get everything done, you kind of have to do that. Uh, what's the gist of the Hawkman story? Well, he he was battling a hawk god. Other people came in. Ba- basically, that's it. <laughs> he became another Hawkman. We don't really yeah. understand how or why or you know. It's just a way here to get rid of the two hawks. It happened in another book, but in the the theme of the JSA's destruction. Well, there you go. They're gone. So we have another a new hawk. Yeah. A new, very the same Hawkman. Another couple cutscenes we get uh, on Cairn, the, the acronym Legion. Drill Docs is finding out about time anomalies. And then the new gods are also realizing there's there's time anomalies. I'm not sure what this adds to the story. Well, it creates a link between our first strike the invasion podcast okay <laughs> no way yeah. and and this one now uh, in a way with the legion stuff we will cover a legion issue so maybe oh, this ties good. in the new gods don't have a book out 
So this is just, we saw already that like Darkseid didn't want to do anything with the crisis. Usually like sits these things out. And so here we see the hero new gods kind of think the same. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe Orion and the Light Ray will, will show up later. We'll see. But yeah, basically, basically we're just being confirmed that the universe is unraveling. That's it. The reason for this is kind of to make the, like give it greater scope. To say it is happening everywhere and every when. And so let's, yeah, exactly. let's get the whole DC universe in here the way that the original crisis did. The original crisis had hundreds of cameos to say it's happening everywhere to everyone. And, and you're just like a spotter's guide. I think the way, especially the way the art is in zero hours, much more like open spaces and bigger panels. Yeah. There isn't much room for these kinds of cameos. You're not, you know, like George Perez can fit. 50 cameos in a page. Oh, yeah. Dan Jurgens isn't doing that. So I, I feel like that's maybe an editor saying, you got to do this sort of thing. We need to feel it. We need to, to touch as many characters as we can, but the story's just not that populated. I mean, even the, okay, let's get all the heroes together. Is that really all the heroes? Yeah, well, a lot of them we didn't see. Acolad comes up and we didn't see him. Yeah, he wasn't in that. So yeah, there are people maybe behind the camera. <laughs> Somebody's taking that picture. Yeah, it was Aqualad. Uh, so Aqualad and Hawkman, the new Hawkman, finally arrive. And this is the part where they kind of question one another as to, okay, what's going on? The the story is explained to Wave Rider. And I also, I also kind of like that Guy Gardner is getting these ideas about saving Hal from himself. Yeah. You know, can, can I, can he, and he, I mean, as usual, he's completely irresponsible. He thinks he can change history. You know, earlier he tried to make himself, mint himself leader of this task force. Classic Guy Gardner. Well, he just wants to be important. You know, he wants to be appreciated. <laughs> It'll That's... never happen. But, the, <laughs> no, but I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's trying to, to at least think outside the box. Can we use a time anomaly, history being rewritten, to actually directly rewrite yeah. history in our favor? And he's not doing this all, all by himself. He's he's actually talking to the Atom, which is one of one of the smartest people DC Universe. You know, can can maybe we can do this? Yeah, and I and I don't want to spoil it, but it kind of happens in the final issue. Ooh. I mean, not this way, not for this purpose. But uh, here it's like kind of telling us, you know, keep Hal Jordan in mind because that's going to be a thing. Yeah. But also rewriting history in our own for our own purposes while it is in flux, while it is kind of, you know, like let's shape it while it is formless kind of touches on a plot point that we get towards the end. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. Also, uh, there's a bit of uh, foreshadowing here where uh, he's all in red and he becomes a red <gasps> lantern later on. I'm just saying. The one bit that I think is stupid is Captain Adams on page 16. Because uh, he says, you said this was a natural occurrence, like a tornado or something, but I've never heard of anything of this magnitude before. Okay, Captain Adam, when did you become the veteran superhero who's, <laughs> yeah. seen, it, who's seen it all? <laughs> yeah, with your, your two weeks <laughs> in. Obviously, he's been around since uh, Almost Crisis. And um, yeah. and he's had his own book, and he's led the forces in invasion. You know that was five years before in our terms. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, okay, fine, but no, you're not the guy that's going to tell me <laughs> I've seen it all, and I've never seen this. It seems unbelievable when Superman is in the room. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us when you're Admiral uh, <laughs> yeah. Adam. Superman and Batman are in the room. Shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, even even Aquaman and and Martian Manhunter. I think that the next panel where Aquaman and Martian Manhunter are talking, yeah. I think they were saying, "Hey, why is the rookie talking again?" <laughs> and and they just changed the the bubbles. <laughs> you know, Arthur, please be nice. I am nice. <laughs> no, definitely. There's no, you know, he's not a Teen Titan or like Superboy or something, <laughs> but still, it's that this that is not your call to make. The dialogue is attributed to the wrong person. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then we have this one panel, which I love. This is the panel that we're once again foreshadowing that we're going to be tricked because Wave Rider says Ackerman asks, "Who do we know who can do this? Uh, somebody so powerful on this magnitude?" Wave Rider says, "Someone I never considered." And then we cut back to Vanishing Point where we see Extent, and we're going to have that. Awful, awful reveal soon. <laughs> yes. Well, so Extant is basically destroying the JSA. I'm, 
I mean, it, it almost seems ridiculous that the JSA tasked themselves to go to vanishing. I mean, there's tre- a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are street level heroes. They are, yeah. they're all seniors, even though they've got more vitality yeah. than normal, but a lot of them don't have powers. So it seems ridiculous that they would think without recruiting anyone else that they're the guys that can fix time because they're even going on about like they got experience with it it's like being old is is not the kind of experience with time that i would consider <laughs> you know um <laughs> important in this case <laughs> regardless uh they i don't even understand vanishing point and it's like floating grids it just it's like weird design elements but then uh extant is just blowing them out of the water uh and the first to yeah. go let's 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 go through this guy by guy the first to go is the Atom, who happens to be one of my favorite JSAers. So right away, uh, you've lost me, Dan Jurgens. You've killed. <laughs> I mean, he's zapped in a Dalek kind of, you know, he's been exterminated oh, yeah. Dalek style. You see his, his skeleton. Yeah. Uh, you've killed the Atom, who is one of my favorites. And I'm looking around and it's like, oh no, Wellcat is there. And <laughs> I've got a lot of favorites in play. It's, it's no surprise that he would be one shot, you know, one shot dead. One shot skeleton, because uh, extent is really that powerful. You know, you take a boxer or, you know, a, just a, a guy who's good with his fist. He's just a boxer. He's just somebody who fights. I mean, that's fine for thugs and, and you know, bank robbers and stuff like that. But against, you know, cosmic level powered, he, he can't go five rounds with, you know, extent. Nobody's going to. It's fine. I'm fine. Not that I don't like the atom. It's just it's fine. He He gets pulverized it ups the stakes it ups the stakes but at the same time i'm asking why was the atom involved why are we sending <laughs> you know why are we sending the yeah. atom against galactus you know it's not for the same reason that you would send you know black widow against thanos i mean that's because they're part of the team you know and we do it i'll together. take it uh yeah. next Whatever next is the is dr fate <laughs> dr fate gets uh, disintegrated and only like the helmet of Naboo and the amulet and all that and the cape escape destruction. See, this this is where I don't I, I it goes all weird for me because this is the, the one thing I did not. I, well, not that I enjoy seeing the, the GSA decimated at all, but to have this magical supreme being just being as easily taken down as Adam well, that's insulting. Here the stakes are up because, I mean, okay, Extent can kill the Atom. Big deal. You know, yeah. like a bullet could have done it. But uh, Dr. Fate, that's another story. And, of course, they're just setting up a new Fate series where these artifacts are in somebody else's hands. So issue zeros. We'll be talking about Fate a bit more. But yeah. here, maybe, like, even the energies, are, are they, like, falling through time to that person? We, we don't know yet. Dr. Fate, another of my favorite... JSAers. So on that one page, and yeah. uh, even like a small block of that page, they get rid of two JSAers, one powerful, one not. <laughs> so you're think I'm thinking, yeah. they're all dead. They are oh, yeah. all dead. What I would like, what I would like to see in these panels is at least the JSAers getting a couple licks in. You know, at least trying to do something. You know, Sandman doesn't even shoot his sand gun at all no he doesn't even have the chance Uh, and that's part of the absurdity is that this has just happened and then sandman and wildcat regular joes just try to jump extant this is like this doesn't make the jsa look good they have no strategy they're fighting a losing battle they don't have the skills for it and they're not trying to do it another way either it's like first of all you guys should be hiding behind green lantern and flash yeah uh, yeah. And maybe they these guys have more potential to defeat Extant. Right now, you're just you know running to your death, and it yeah. does happen. I mean, they they get zapped, they get withered and old, and we don't know if they die. You know, those deaths are not confirmed, uh, so we have to wait for later for that. And we see we see all these old timey superheroes with all this experience just going hand to hand. I mean, Our Man and Doctor Midnight. Dr. Midnight's going in hand-to-hand. No midnight bombs or blackout bombs or whatever he has. Nothing to take advantage. Nothing to block view. Nothing. They're not being the actual JSA in here. I mean, they're just cannon fodder. Uh, There's no reason to think they could 
overcome extant. And all the, the hand-to-hand fighters go in first, aside from Dr. Fate. They all go in first, and then you got Green Lantern going, oh no, our man's dead. Another of my favorite JSAers, by the way. And Dr. Midnight, we don't know yet. But anyways, Green Lantern, who was the, one of the more powerful ones, is just cradling the body of a friend that he could have saved, that he could have thrown up a shield, that he could have gone into battle first, especially yeah. since he is young. Yeah. He's already been like turned into a 20-year-old in previous continuity, so he's not even an old man in this. Why, why isn't exactly. he doing anything? And the only thing keeping him and Jay Garrick from taking control of this situation is that Mike Carlin declared that the JSA must die. An editor is keeping them back is what is happening. I mean, no matter how you cut this, the JSA is not fighting like the JSA should be fighting. You have the the two biggest guns. One of the two biggest guns is decimated in the first four panels. You mean you take out Dr. Fate? I mean, with Dr. Fate, Jay Garrick, Green Lantern, Alan Scott, I mean, you have powerful people over here. And Starman. And Starman, yeah, exactly. All these guys, instead of of firing and, you know, shooting everything they've got at Extant, they're just going, oh, no, my friend's dead. Like, that's that's their role. Their role is mourning. It makes it ridiculous. It it makes it basically these guys were set up to be killed. Yeah, and the, the only reason they, they are not saved, I'll, I'll say bad writing, but it's not like it never occurred to me to save them. It's... It's because there's an order from on high, this must happen. And then it's really forcing a square peg in a round hole. In a panel, you don't see the powerful member. So it feels like panel by panel, there is, in this panel, Extant is versus Sandman and, you know, Dr. Midnight and Hour Man. Well, okay, who wins Extant? But I mean, aren't we forgetting that just like an inch to the left is Green Lantern. Like, there's another cutscene. Let's say we go back to New York. There's like a future city about to fall on top of New York. This is just setting up more problems for the next issue. But then we're back on Vanishing Point. Now Green Lantern is going to take. And now Wave Riders joined the fray. So, okay. Okay. Maybe that, that's going to help. But uh, Green Lantern finally tries to do something and Extant drains his ring. So now, now we've got like an actual superhero battle going where you don't know where it's going to go. But Green Lantern at first is immune to Extant's powers. And Flash still not doing anything. <laughs> no, Flash but he's is been just, aged, I just... guess. He's been aged. So a lot of them are, he and Starman are sort of on the outs, kind of aged, but not dead. And, you know, so it's, uh, they're crippled at least uh, in terms yeah. of fighting in this case. Even after the ring is empty, now Extant is just like stops fighting because we can't, like one of the characters that is safe is Alan Scott. Again, it's the writing because normally, okay, I've drained your ring. Now I'm going to zap you dead. But he doesn't. He has this conversation with Wave Rider and reveals that he too is Wave Rider or an evil Wave Rider yeah. or a Wave Rider like being or who knows. Or Wave Rider. Or Wave Rider himself in from a f- future, from a alternate timeline. He's an anomaly himself. Well, the time trapper is that, so it could yeah. be that. There's a mirror there of this is also what happens with the time trapper or something. It's like zero hour right now from this issue. It's one purpose is to kill off characters that DC doesn't want on its books anymore and to confuse things even more. I mean, it's like next level Stephen Moffat, Doctor Who, uh, Timey Wimey, uh, you know, impenetrable. You got to watch it like three times to understand what's going on kind of stuff. It's all fine and dandy, but it's kind of cheating. Story wise, it's kind of cheating. I mean, you can do anything, right? You, you, when when you're writing these stories, you're you're basically a god trying to, you know, create something that's that's maybe surprising. And and I think a lot of comic book readers are very smart and figure out stuff. But if you're cheating, nobody nobody can figure out what you're doing because you know, you don't leave any clues. You don't, the story is whatever you want and you just do whatever you want. And and this is kind of an example of that. You know, the JSA not being the JSA and being just killed off, it's cheating. I mean, it's not how the JSA would do it. Uh, if you give this story to another person, he would write it differently and maybe extent would at least have a battle on his hands and, and the JSA had a fighting chance. But, 
right here, it really feels like somebody said, no, this, these old guys, they need to go. They need to go yeah. now. And I compare it, in my mind, I compare it to the last days of the Justice Society, which was like that one special that came out after the, the Crisis on Infinite Earths, which, okay, now they want to do away with the JSA. That's, you know, that's the original time they wanted to do away with the JSA. And uh, the way they did it, they sent them to like a, a mystical space that, that was Ragnarok, and they uh, basically took the places of Thor and, and Heimdall and every Norse god that is in the okay. saga, and then fought Ragnarok over and over again. It's like they were keeping the apocalypse at bay in this Viking sort of reality. And uh, eventually they were freed from that, and that's why we have them here. But for a long while, the JSA is not being used, but they're not dead. They're actually in the process of sacrificing themselves over and over so that reality can continue to exist. I think that's heroic. Yeah. That's epic. And it leaves the there's a back door for the characters to eventually return. Feels a lot more like what something some that the JSA would do. It, it is that I mean, like the Golden Age comics were very much more into the mystical rather than the science fiction, which was a Silver Age notion. Mm-hmm. So it is that, and it gives like these old timers a big war to fight, and they are wartime heroes. So here it's like they're just get they get chumped. And I almost feel like it would have been more satisfying, you know, from a character standpoint, to have them show up in, in Vanishing Point immediately ambushed and all aged, and some of them might die from heart attacks or whatever. But having them commit to action and that the action is completely brain dead, I think that's a betrayal of the characters. It is. It is. Like, if they all show up there and they all get zapped and they're all dead, people would have gone, shocker. And also very cheap as far, you know, like they deserved a more heroic death. But instead, having them play like cabbage heads who don't know how to fight or don't know how to gauge a situation, I think that's even worse. I mean, it it adds insult to injury. It really does. It really does. And uh, a lot of these characters have not been confirmed dead, but uh, just wait. (laughs) I mean, the next (laughs) issue or two are going to reveal if... Some of the, I mean, Wildcat looks really dead in this. Yeah. Confirmations, confirmations yeah, are coming. We'll see. Any last thoughts on the issue before we uh, go into feedback? Well, uh, I will admit this is probably one of my least favorite comics uh, that I've read. Ever or for this show? <laughs> okay. For this show. It for is the show. New Guardians of the Zero Hour podcast. Yeah. And I think it's because of my expectations. I love the JSA. I, I mean, every character in there I, I love. And uh, they were not the JSA I knew or the JSA I wanted to see in this situation. And uh, that's why I think I really hated it. I'll probably just mull it over and try to figure out what what went wrong or how maybe I can shift my perception maybe. But uh, right now I'm like, yeah, no, this is this is just sh- cheap shots. You know, this is to me is the equivalent of uh, Luke Skywalker just throwing back the, the lightsaber at the beginning of The Last Jedi. <laughs> okay. It's like, it's like, no, no, this is not what would happen. Well, I, I find that more believable, but that's neither here nor there, nor the right show to discuss it. We'll <laughs> no, take a, a, a short just... break when we return your feedback on our previous episode. Hey there, my name is Al Gerding, and I have a favor to ask. If you're a fan of the Justice Society of America or other DC Comics Heroes of the Golden Age, please listen to my new podcast, The All-Star Comics Review. 
Grab your reprints, DC Archive editions, or the original comics if you're lucky enough to own them, and let's explore the adventures of the JSA and other Golden Age greats. Follow along with the All-Star Comics Review podcast, now found on iTunes, allstarcomicsreview.blogspot.com, and Facebook. Letters Lost in Time. Letters Lost in Time. Yes, our coverage of the Legion's End of an Era tie-ins. There's quite a few issues there. Early Bird Chris Franklin says, Who boy, yeah, this makes Hawkman's continuity look positively quaint. I will say I agree on what I'm seeing of the art you critiqued. Surprisingly amateurish for DC to publish, even on a set of titles headed towards cancellation or at least reboot. It reminds me of why I thought I could get a job in the comic industry on a DC or Marvel title. No offense meant to those folks who I'm sure improved later, but I could totally hang out with those guys quality-wise. David A. Gutierrez has an advanced comment on the JSA's last stand. So we can already kind of discuss it with... <laughs> with listeners. He says, I get why the JSA would be made to disappear. I like legacy characters. I even love them, but they have a time and a place. And I think people forget the time part. I agree, Siskoid. If you don't like a character, set it aside for someone else. But I also understand DC wanting to streamline everything. One Green Lantern, one Superman, one Flash. There's a perception of elegance in simplicity, but just isn't always exploited to its fullest Potential. I think the easiest way to get around the JSA problem, not a problem to me, but to DC editorial, is just to ignore the characters. Personally, I like keeping the World War II characters in their era. When you have people locked into an era coexisting with other characters that are supposed to exist on a sliding timescale, well, that just stretches things a bit too far for me. So he's saying that since these characters did fight in World War II, and that's never going to change, the fact that like the contemporary heroes are like always a year within their origin, regardless of the time. And it's like it, time is stretching. Then it makes the World War II heroes get older and older and older and older. And you just can't believe, you know, w- without them yeah. being in a block of ice and then returning the way Captain America did. It just never makes sense for them to still be alive uh, when the other heroes are sort of ageless. You can always time travel if you really want these older guys in the future. But yeah, keeping them in their own timeline, yeah, it would be nice. There's a lot of stories to tell. So. Ange says uh, he reviewed the 5YL books over on the Legion of Super Bloggers up until that point. He says, I love that book, especially the first three years or so, but this era with the new code names and the weird costumes seemed a far cry from the dense and mature book started out as. So this truly was the end of an era. I had been a lifelong Legion fan. I consider a Legion comic to be my first comic ever. I love these characters, but making Rock the Time Trapper, it broke me. I left the Legion and didn't pick up the book until the three boot happened. I missed the entire Archie Legion, the Abnett Landing stuff. I missed it all. So I hope Ange is uh, now reading the reviews that uh, Shotgun and I have been committing to the Legion of Superbloggers uh, every week. We're almost done with the Legion reboot, wow. uh, which is, you know, we've been doing this for... I don't know. It's been a couple of years because it's it's quite a long era. It's like 10 years of Legion history that uh, yeah. Ange here missed. That was one big moment <laughs> to just leave everything behind. Sure. I mean, the reboot is a jumping on point, but it's also a jumping off point. And uh, they lost people there. The Time Trapper thing never bothered me, as I said. So that w- that did not no, break no. me. No. no. Uh, Chris Lewis says, I was buying Valor, but not the Grim and Gritty 5YL Legion. That continuity seemed too dense and complex for me to get into. I had been picking up Legionnaires as a more new reader-friendly way into the Legion storyline. But until this very podcast, I had never really understood exactly how the SW6 Legionnaires came to be. As the mystery that was posed at the very beginning of the Legionnaires book, the answer was too oblique for me to pick up on. Thank you, Siskoid and Bass, for resolving a 25-year-old mystery. Ryan Daly says, I've been slowly, slowly chipping away at some Legion collections. After uh, stalling out on the curse, I started the first Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes collection with the Mike Grell issues. However, the more I hear about it, the more curious I am to check out the Archie Legion era. I mean, it's pretty self-contained, Ryan. So it feels like, you know, it reboots everything, retells some stories, changes a lot of details, brings in new characters. And if the way I've been reviewing it with Shotgun is any uh, indication, the the whole idea was that I was a veteran who knew the old continuity and was appreciating uh, reimagining of it. 
And then, but Shotgun, she knew the characters because we'd done like Hot or Not stuff with them, but she didn't know Legion history. So for her, it was all new. And it was the interesting part of doing the reviews was, okay, how does a veteran see it? How does a rookie see it? She was a rebooted Legionnaire, let's say. You know, she was new to it. So does this still work for a, a new reader? And I think she proved that it did, uh, except a few issues where you really need like DC knowledge, like weird crossovers or, oh, they bring in Apocalypse or they bring in a Quard or something. Like she's confused about that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's the stuff that a guy like Ryan would get because he's been reading comics for years. Yeah, it's a great way to see uh, older things with new eyes. It's like uh, the Doctor and the Companion. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, okay, Frank. Uh, goes year by year from 1980, tracking his experience with the Legion, which is mostly seeing house ads and picking up occasional confusing issues. So <laughs> how he remembers this stuff is beyond me. It's like, he's, he's like, 1980, I remember that house ad. And oh my God. <laughs> he's a uh, wiki. He's a wiki. He is a wiki. Check it out at fireandwaterpodcast.com for the whole listing. But anyway, he starts collecting the Legion in the late 90s and has this conclusion to offer. Archie Legion is the best Legion for the uninitiated. It summarizes everything that came before in a manner similar to Man of Steel, uh, but in a more natural and prolonged manner. Also gets mileage out of swerving on older fans, such as when Feral Lad survives the Sun Eater and becomes a prominent Legionnaire. So I completely agree with that. It's like there's just enough of the nostalgia and just enough of the new stuff like in combination to make it worthwhile for for the reader uh i'm not saying it's always good and it's like any other series that lasts for 10 years you know there, there are dips but there are a lot of highs as well i think it's a pleasant experience tim price says these issues still give me the feels it truly feels like an ending and it did its job does the sw6 actually mean anything i know it's the experiment designation for the young legion but does it have a meaning beyond that either in the comics or by the creators or has anyone reading this uh, made up their own meaning for SW6. So he asked this. And I answered him off the cuff that I probably meant Shooter, Weisinger, 60s Legion. Because oh. it was the Legion of that that exact time. Yeah, yeah. When Jim Shooter was writing it, Mort Weisinger was editing it, and uh, like 1968. So 60s, SW6, the th- first three you know units in, in that, that phrasing. Uh, but Martin Gray had the actual answer, SW6 was the London postcode in which uh, his old APA pal, his own pal, uh, the late Peter Hayward Brewer, lived. And the Byerbaums, who were writing the Legion at that point, were friends with Peter, and they used it as a nod to him. Ah. But it also seems to work with my (laughs) particular um, idea of it. So just a tribute to a fan, but... It also seems to work in the context of, yep. you know, trying to decode it. Bradley Null says, thought like the good idea, the whole end of an era thing, but his overall appreciation was meh. But he was, he says, in a rare position of liking both the Legion before the reboot and after the reboot. So it's, it seems to a lot of people like left the Legion or, or came into the Legion disliking the previous era i'm like bradley i like both i i don't think there's a legion i dislike and uh i mean i I know the current legion is kind of testing people's patience i don't really have an opinion about it i've only read like the first issue anyway uh lizanne oswald thinks other than the time trapper revealed the rest works she says i like the handshake bit at the end where they do the classic cover pose where the two teams face off against each other except they embrace each other. It's cool. Yeah. Boston Ma says, talked about our possible superpowers. Somebody asked a question about superpowers. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, if your superpower is to pull things out of your ass, the first thing you pull out of your ass is a better superpower. Good tip. <laughs> oh, he's the kind of person that if he had three wishes, would wish for a million wishes. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Uh, Michael Bailey uh, says, Siskoid is right about that run stalling out towards the end. It's like they didn't know where to go after the destruction of the Earth. When I finally got to these books, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. Not the best way to end things, but it was interesting an interesting read, and I was shocked that they brought back the Earth from the pocket universe. I figured everyone would have wanted to forget about that. I can't help but feel bad for the Legion. It's not their fault that the continuity kept changing and that editors kept arguing over the use of the Superman characters. That's true. So that's uh, that's our mailbag this this uh, month. Well, it was a nice one. A lot of uh, Legionnaire uh, fans out there. Time for JSA fans to chime in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're a JSA fan, how did you feel when you read this? 
If you're not a JSA fan, yeah, that too. Maybe you felt different. Maybe you were like, yeah, eat the old. Okay. <laughs> Soylent Green. Soylent Green. <laughs> Before we go, we'll mention that the Fire and Water Podcast Network has a Patreon page. If you like our content, please think about making a one-time or monthly donation, the amount of which will allow you to unlock rewards. Get on that zero list at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Reminder that you can leave comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also follow Fire and Water's Facebook page or on Twitter. The account is fwpodcast. So goodbye, Bass. Goodbye. I'm going back to my home time period. <laughs> no, I'll be staying here with the old guys. Next time on Zero Hour Strikes... Adventures of Superman 516 and Steel number 8.